You're listening to If Only I Were Wiser podcast, where Raina Wilson brings together wisdom and raw life stories to provide encouragement and truth. So many times it's easy to become discouraged in your own pursuit of health because your story or circumstances look drastically different from your favorite influencer or even the expectations you had for yourself. If that is you, welcome. This space is for you to learn, breathe, and maybe just listen and see what wellness could look like for you. Hey friends, welcome back to the If Only Our Wiser podcast. On today's episode, we're covering all things pelvic floor health from a good friend of mine, Dr. Rachel Fritz. Rachel's originally from Little Rock, Arkansas, and grew up playing soccer, softball, which really developed her passion for rehab and physical therapy. She later received her Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology from Texas Christian University, another fellow frog, and her Doctorate of Physical Therapy from Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. As she progressed through her curriculum, Rachel came to realize the importance of pelvic floor rehab and the impact dysfunction can have on day-to-day life. So that's all today's conversation. Whether you're pregnant or postpartum or have never heard of what your pelvic floor is, then this episode's for you. Let's dive in. Rachel, Dr. Rachel Fritz, man. I think that's so just crazy. Dr. Rachel Fritz. How does that feel? It, it's wild, man. I think the first time that I really said it wasn't until I was like walking across the stage and our um, kind of our interim president of the health sciences center like shook my hand and said, "Congratulations, Doctor Fritz," and I was like, "Oh, I'm that's me." <laughs> so yeah, it was it was wild. It was wild. That's so funny. Yeah, well, thank you so much for joining us on the If Only Our Wiser podcast. Absolutely. I'm just so excited for the variety yes. of stuff that we're going to cover today. I honestly just want to start with a little bit about you and how did you get to become a doctor? Like, <laughs> that's crazy. School, all the things. Yep, yep. So I went to TCU for Ooh. my undergraduate degree, Go Frogs, and it's where I met this the lovely Miss Raina. And uh, so I got my bachelor's in kinesiology and then decided to go on to get my doctorate in physical therapy. And I graduated from Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. And um, yeah, it was just a crazy, crazy time. And found the pathway and just kind of all these doors opened up for me. So it was awesome. Yeah. So what did school look like? Because when I think like doctorate, I'm thinking you don't come out till you're like 50. (laughs) No, (laughs) it felt that way. It definitely felt that way. Um, Yeah, I was, uh, let's see, it was four years for the undergrad degree and then another three for the doctorate. And so we didn't have much time off between semesters like we definitely didn't have a summer break we did not have very long for Thanksgiving and Christmas it was pretty much like I remember we graduated and then two weeks later PT school started so it was a very very quick yeah it was a quick turnaround so it was funny I was um I was hadn't heard back from a couple of schools and it was kind of getting close to the time where, you know, I kind of needed to start making plans and making decisions for the summer. And so I remember I was on my phone with my dad and we were talking, you know, he was just like, okay, well, like, mm-hmm. if you don't, you know, if you don't get in anywhere, if you don't hear from anywhere, like, we'll just plan on moving you home. We're like making all these plans for, you know, if I, if I didn't get in and I was flying out for spring break, I think like the next day or two. And he was like, and so right, kind right. of wrapped up that conversation. He was like, okay, it's like, you know, when's your flight? Where are you going? All this stuff. And so I like pull up my email. I'm like, you know, let me double check like my flight time and everything like that. And as I'm pulling up the email, I get a a new email in my inbox that I had been accepted into text PT program. And so I just started bawling and I'm just like on the phone with my dad. I was like, scratch everything. I was like, we need a whole new plan. We need a whole new plan. Um, Wow. So, so yeah, it was, it was a quick turnaround to graduate, move out, move out of Fort Worth over to Lubbock, um, get a place there and just kind of hit the ground running with, with PT school. So. Oh, how fun. Dang. So are you in Lubbock now? Like, is that where your clinic is? 
Yeah, so I'm in Amarillo, in Amarillo, Texas. So okay. Tech has um, Tech has a couple different campuses for their PT school. They have the main one in Lubbock, where we all went for the first semester. And then they have two other satellite campuses. One is in Odessa, and then the other one is up here in Amarillo. So I was here in Amarillo for the majority of the, of the curriculum, and okay. then um, just found my amazing job afterwards and just kind of stayed, stayed in the area. Awesome. So are you at like a PT clinic? Like, mm-hmm. do you, do you work alongside like all, you know, when I think of PT, I'm like the people that are going in to work on like the geriatric patients for knee pain, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So we treat at our clinic, we definitely treat everything. Um, knee replacements, shoulder pain, uh, ACL gotcha. repairs. I mean, we got a couple, um, got some good young athletes in there right now doing all sorts of crazy stuff. But, um, so yeah, so we really do treat a very, very wide range of conditions. So it's really, it's, it's really cool just to kind of see a little bit of everything. Right. But you specialize in pelvic floor health. Yes. Yes, I do. How did you even get there? So it really, and it really wasn't until I was in like my PT school, doctorate level, gross anatomy classes that I really even heard of the pelvic floor, that I really ever Mm -hmm. kind of got a name for me. And at that point, you know, when we were kind of going over it in our gross anatomy classes and they just kind of mentioned like, oh, hey, by the way, like there's a whole kind of specialty field in this area in pelvic health that you can go into as a physical therapist. And then it was like, okay, moving on. So this is this, you know, and then we just kind of brushed over it. And I was kind of like, okay, like, that's pretty interesting. Like, that sounds really cool. Didn't really give much thought to it. And, you know, kind of the more that we kind of started talking about, as we kind of got into the orthopedic side of things and just kind of like, okay, these are going to be the things that you treat in the clinic. I was like, well, this sounds, you know, it sounds like a pelvic floor could really be involved in some of this or at least indicated in, in a lot of these conditions. And, you know, the more research that I, I did kind of on my own, I was like, oh, this is mm-hmm. needed. This is huge and so I ended up um, I kind of talked to some of my professors a little bit and um, what really kind of did it for me was we went to the Texas Physical Therapy Association um, they, they have a conference every single year and so a bunch of us went as first year you know little baby PT baby students and we're like let's go like you know we'll, we'll go to all these talks all these all these lectures and we'll figure out you know all, all the yeah. things <laughs> and we went to a four-hour talk on pelvic floor health and it was just like after that I was like done done I that's it that's wow decided and you know a bunch of my friends and I were kind of walking out and some of them were just kind of like, no, absolutely not. I will not be doing this. Like, not for me. And I was like, what are you talking about? That was the best four hours of my life. Like, <laughs> that was the coolest thing ever. And they were, they all just kind of looked at me and they were like, yes, like that fits you. That fits your personality. You go, 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 go on. And um, so they have been just super, super supportive and um, just able to, mm-hmm. and I kind of, I kind of talked to some of my professors about it. I was like, you know, is there anybody even, I was like, we're in Amarillo, Texas. Like, come on, is there anybody here who even does this? And they were like, oh yes, you need to go talk to this person. Like you will, we'll get you in touch with her. And so her name is Alita and I ended up being able to um, go and shadow with her a handful of times, just kind of throughout my curriculum if you know if I had a had a day off or if we got out of class or you know whatever it was I'd you know send her a text be like hey what are you doing can I come hang out and you know just to kind of get more get more exposure to Mm -hmm. it and everything and lo and behold she is now my boss so I ended up working with her and yeah yeah it was just kind of like a bit crazy crazy full circle full circle moment um she was just really excited that I had shown so much interest in it. And so by the time that I had gotten ready to graduate and a lot of PT clinics will do this, they'll send like their job postings to our professors and, you know, ask them to send it out to like the graduating class. And Mm -hmm. so she sent hers out. I had like six people text me and be like, did you see that email? Alita is hiring a pelvic floor therapist. Like, are you responding? One of my professors called me and he is like, I'll go over your cover letter with you if you want. And just like, it was was just like it was it was a no-brainer it was a no-brainer so wow how sweet that's just cool to see like god's hand in the midst of that you know 
It was, yeah, yeah. And I, I almost took a job up in Wyoming because I did a clinical rotation up there for pelvic health and they offered me a job afterwards. And I just remember praying. I was like, Lord, I will go to, I will go to Wyoming if you really want me to. I will go. Right. <laughs> if you really wink, wink, want me to. Literally. I was like, but I need you to close every other door to me. Like, make this my only option. And um, then sure enough, this this job kind of came kind of came along and I was like oh okay got it I'm going (laughs) right figured it out so that's awesome can you share a little bit about like you outside of Dr. Rachel and then we'll dive into Dr. Rachel (laughs) yes absolutely so um, I grew up playing sports I mean I played soccer I think probably my whole entire life Mm -hmm. far back as I can remember and uh, ended up needing PT myself for some knee pain that I was having and which is crazy crazy common with female mm-hmm. athletes and uh, I think it was I mean I went to my PT I think once and he just kind of like did his assessment and gave me my exercises at home and he was like I honestly don't think that I'm going to need to see you again like if you have a problem if it still hurts after you you know kind of run the course of these exercises mm-hmm. let me know and we'll, we'll get you back in here but I think I asked him probably eight million questions I'm like okay so how did you become a physical therapist what do I need to do can I come in and shadow you like do you need an intern and he's like you're 14 in middle school like no (laughs) you're fine and uh so it was just kind of (laughs) that was kind of what what got me into uh kind of the rehab side of things and just love staying active I compete in bodybuilding uh competitions which is super super fun um that is yeah that is just so much fun but um but yeah if I'm not at work I'm usually at the gym or trying to go on some random adventure so yeah, so fun. I definitely want to circle back to the bodybuilding for sure because that is just such an exciting conversation that um a lot of people don't get to have. So yeah, we'll cover for sure, it. for sure. But let's dive into all things pelvic floor health. I think it's so funny that I'm you know now I feel encouraged because I'm not the only one that didn't know this was a part of my body. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. Oh yeah. So can you kind of give the basics to like, do men have pelvic floors? Like, is this just a female thing? Yeah. The basics to us laymen in pelvic floor health. Yeah, absolutely. So the pelvic floor refers to a group of muscles. So it's kind of similar to like the hip flexors. You have more than one. There's a group of them that kind of do that motion, that hip flexion. And so the pelvic floor is a, It's three layers of muscle that sit literally in the floor in the basis of the pelvis. So if you've ever kind of look at like a a skeleton model, Mm -hmm. like you have the bones and that bony pelvis, well, in the middle of that bony pelvis is that big hole. And with Mm -hmm. ladies, that's where baby's head comes out. Uh, so the pelvic floor sits kind of right, basically kind of right in the center of that. And yes, it is in men, it is in women, it is in children. Everybody has a pelvic floor. Um, women are definitely more, um, mm. more at a higher risk of developing pelvic floor dysfunction just because of our anatomy, just kind of of how things are shaped and put in there. Um, but also with pregnancy and, and postpartum, you know, right. that's a lot of a lot of pressure and a lot of changes that need to happen to those pelvic floor muscles and so yes women are definitely more likely to develop some sort of pelvic floor dysfunction in life and these muscles work to control peeing pooping sex and they also work really closely with the abdominal muscles with the core muscles and with the diaphragm as well to help to kind of control some intra-abdominal pressure some lumbar spine stability that pelvic girdle stability and so there's really a lot that they do and not a lot of people even know about them in the first place and so mm-hmm. one thing that I try to do with any sort of new patient with any new evaluation is we spend a ton of time just talking about anatomy and function because it's always the number one I get two questions what is the pelvic floor and why have I been sent to a physical therapist when I leak when I see yeah. like what in the world is happening here so we kind of talk about mm-hmm. how in these muscles they're, they're right. maybe the exact same muscles that you'd find you know the same muscle tissue that you'd find in your hip flexors or your hamstrings or your biceps and so we have the same Mm. voluntary control over these pelvic floor muscles right doing kegel exercises that's kind of the bicep curl of the pelvic floor Mm 
but they have a lot of involuntary function as well and they mm-hmm. don't move the joints all right when we contract when we do a kegel we don't see anything happen at least you should it if you're doing it right and we don't really see anything happen and so that mind to muscle connection that motor programming tends to get lost a little bit and it's it's harder to establish um you know more so than with a muscle that you would be able to see and kind of watch that function there Mm, which we can dive into later but as I went through pelvic floor therapy like that was just so fascinating you know because like you said you can't I couldn't test you know in an outward form to see how my pelvic floor was doing so we had to do like all internal Mm -hmm. examinations yep so I'm just so thankful for you because some people approach this as like a really grody conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but like kind of research myself, like the female anatomy is beautiful. And the fact that like, as we normalize this conversation, like my son, my husband and I were talking about this the other day, like my son should know about the female anatomy. Like my son should know about Absolutely. mama's periods or, hey, like when mama has a baby, like this is how her body changes and we have to be careful about this this and this pregnancy postpartum whatever and it shouldn't be like a taboo conversation that's a side note absolutely yeah absolutely and I I think that is definitely one thing that some of my patients struggle with and and it's it's definitely generational mm-hmm. i mean i think our generation and some of my younger patients are like all in right. they're like yes like show me everything like i want to talk about it and but some of my older patients it's it's a little bit harder to kind of get them to talk about these things mm-hmm. and just because i mean like, it's a generational thing like they they didn't talk about it at right. all at all that was like nope you do not talk about you don't talk about periods. You don't talk about pain. You definitely don't talk about sex outside of your marriage. And so it's just kind of one of those things where not only does that make the patient themselves feel maybe a little bit isolated and alone and, you know, you know, maybe there isn't anything that we can do about it. Well, I'm not supposed to talk about it, so it doesn't matter. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it absolutely does matter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are, there there's treatment for it. There's treatment for these pelvic floor dysfunctions that so many people, I have had so many patients tell me like, I wish I'd known about this sooner. Like, why do like, why is nobody talking right. about this? And I was like, because nobody talks about their vaginas exactly. anyway. So like, that's, that's kind of yes, why, but, right. um, but yeah, I think that we are definitely kind of shifting not only in, just kind of society but in medical care mm-hmm. as well just being yeah Culture. and just being able to really open that door and just have that conversation because again there is treatment and so these people like they you don't have to suffer in silence when it comes to these things for sure can you kind of cover you know when I first heard about pelvic floor health it was because of pregnancy and postpartum mm-hmm. but I think like it's healthy to know about you know, when treatment is needed in all those stages. So how, what would you say to someone, you know, you want a healthy sex life, you know, like healthy sex life, you want to be safe, like, and then pregnancy and postpartum and kind of some of those stages. Yeah, absolutely. So the, like I said, a pelvic floor mainly functions with peeing, pooping, and sex. Those are the, those are the main things. And so if you have any problems doing any of those things, pelvic floor is involved and you should definitely go see a pelvic mm. floor therapist. So with okay. um, urinary function, that can look like leakage or incontinence um, with laughing, coughing, sneezing, running, jumping, um, or with that high sensation of urgency. Mm-hmm. Like when you feel like you really, really, really got to go and there's no stop at it. Um, if you're feeling like you're not emptying all the way or, you know, feeling like you're going, you know, feeling like you have to go like every five, 10 minutes, but that's not related to a UTI, um, those kinds of things. And with bowel mm. function, same thing. If you have any incontinence of, of stool, of bowel material, that is absolutely something that can be treated. Um, we're going to want to figure out why, like what the cause is, but then get into the, the muscle function and um, just kind of that muscular control of those sphincters. And, you Know, and and also constipation. I see constipation so much, so much. It it kind of blows That's my mind. Like the more that huh. I kind of try to dive into that, the more my patients are like, "Oh well, yeah." Like I've always been constipated. I'm like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> like what we're like we're not just gonna speed past that. Like that doesn't mean anything. Like no, I we we gotta talk about that. So how does constipation tie into that? 
Yeah, so depending on the muscular function, so these muscles, like I said, they control poop, pooping, whether it's letting it in or, or letting it out or mm-hmm. keeping it in. And so with constipation, sometimes what I see is people bearing down a lot. They're straining and really, really pushing. We never want to strain mm. on the toilet ever voiding whether it's number one or number two should be completely passive you should not have you should be able to just sit there play on your phone and not think about anything and so sometimes it can be positioning people that have really high toilets what actually changes that pelvic position which can put tension on some pelvic floor muscles and actually inhibit the passage of stool um, depending on where where everything is so the brand squatty potty their little commercial hundred percent true hundred percent true mm-hmm. i recommend squatty potties yeah. to literally everybody so um whether or not they have constipation <laughs> we actually bought one for postpartum because i just remember hearing about the first postpartum poop and i was like so scared yes and i had like yep. you know students um because i worked with high school and middle school students at the time would come over the house for dinner and they're like miss reina yeah. <laughs> why is there a stool next to your, your toilet and i was like well guys it's it's to help your pelvic floor you know like you shouldn't be it shouldn't hurt to poop <laughs> so we're we support the squatty potties yes exactly no no like i said literally 100 percent. everybody should have one everybody should have one but but yeah and so if those muscles if they are like i said they work the same way that any other muscle does. So they can be weak, but they can also be tight. And so if there's any sort of tightness or inability to relax those muscles as you're trying to poop, something's going to come out. Something's going to come out. So, Mm -hmm. and then with sexual dysfunction, any pain, pain with sex is not normal. It is not something that you have to live with. It doesn't matter what position you're in. It doesn't matter how much lube you're using under any circumstances it should not be painful and I think that's kind of one thing that I had to kind of have had to discuss with a lot of my patients they're like well it only hurts and you know if I, if I start asking like any pain with sex and they're like oh well I mean only in that position it's like it doesn't matter like no no yes it does no yeah we're yeah we're we're gonna address that um any pain with sex whether that's penetration or any pain with climax even um any difficulty achieving climax in the first place um and for men erectile dysfunction you can treat erectile dysfunction with pelvic health with pelvic or physical therapy so it is a muscle that is responsible for achieving and maintaining that erection and um Mm -hmm. i say that we mainly see this in um kind of post-op post surgical considerations with men again just women are just more likely to have it just because of our anatomy right and having babies um but with men their anatomy is a little bit different it's a little bit more secure in there and um they Mm -hmm. don't quite have as much trauma to the pelvic floor kind of throughout the lifespan that that women do and so it's not super common so like i said it's it's mainly post-op usually a prostatectomy of some kind that can cause some changes in in bladder bowel and sexual function in men so uh, those are kind of the big things like i said if you have any trouble Peeing, pooping, or during sex, that is 100% an indication for pelvic mm-hmm. floor physical therapy. And it may well be that they're, that those muscles are functioning fine. And, it you know, maybe it is something with the bladder itself. Maybe it is something with the bowel itself. If it's, you know, uh, Crohn's disease or diverticulitis, mm. you know, something a little bit more medically complex. Right. Um, but we are absolutely, we can be used as a tool just to kind of help screen that muscular function. So, mm-hmm. um We've gotten that a lot. We have a a midwife here in Amarillo and she sends every single one of her patients postpartum, every single one, like does not matter. She's like, yeah, it's yes. <laughs> and it's, it's awesome. So we can definitely be used just as a screening tool, you know, just like, okay, you had this surgery or you're curious if something's going on, let's check, let's talk about it. Let's see what's going on. If, you know, if we don't find anything, right. it means that you're good to go. Or maybe it means that there's something else that's relating to your symptoms. Um, or you know what? Yeah pelvic floor is definitely involved let's see let's treat that and then we'll go from there absolutely wow so would you say that some of these symptoms change throughout pregnancy and postpartum or are they all kind of the signals that you're looking for in treating any of these clients 
Yeah, so those those are definitely things that can happen to anybody at any time, pre-pregnancy, during pregnancy, and postpartum. Um, I'd say that the more common things that we see during pregnancy and postpartum is pelvic girdle pain. That's kind of the mm, big one. Okay. Um, we have this lovely hormone called relaxin that makes its way through the system whenever a woman is pregnant, and it helps to expand the pelvis to allow baby to pass through that birth canal no problem, which is great. For baby, mm-hmm. yeah, but for baby, not for mama, yeah, not for mom, not for mom. Can be super painful and uncomfortable. We work a lot on um, kind of addressing that muscular function, even during pregnancy. We are completely safe to do internal exams during pregnancy um, and kind of testing that muscular function. Mm-hmm. And then post post pregnancy as well, uh, making sure those muscles are firing appropriately. And if there is any of that tightness, any sort of overactivity in those muscles, we can calm mm-hmm. that down. Gotcha. get those muscles back to that resting state or strengthen as appropriate with you know some core interv- in um, core integration and some more functional movements so that's probably the biggest thing that i see pregnancy and postpartum but again that can happen to anybody at any time um a lot of uh a lot of postpartum considerations are you know okay well when can i start exercising again when can i start running again and so making sure that we get the the proper activation in the right muscles at the right time um is, is definitely huge yeah. So let's dive into postpartum. I think you and I had had this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll start with this. And it's probably a loaded question. But what do you think about the six week checkup? So yeah, so that can be um, that can be great. It can be great. Um, yes. Definitely want to have that. Sometimes that's it, though for some women it's just mm-hmm. it's that six week and then it's like okay you're good to go bye and it's like okay hang mm-hmm. on wait a second like there's still a lot of things that are changing a lot of things that are happening and so that six week checkup can be really good for i'd say a quote-unquote typical delivery well if there were any other yes. sort of complications during that delivery process if there was a significant amount of tearing or if there was you know in any complication you name it after or during that delivery process in my mind i'm thinking that okay maybe we need like an eight-week checkup too and maybe a 10-week or you know just kind of some more um more more follow-up kind of kind of in between that so um i think a lot of people just use that as the six week and it's like okay well it doesn't matter what happened or what's going on you're like it's been six weeks so you're good to go and for some women especially that have had a significant amount of tearing like that's like no they're absolutely not good to go and they're probably going to tear more with any sort of sexual activity um because those tissues aren't healed yet and so like I said, I think that with certain complications, there's definitely an indication for some some more follow-up care. It's, it shouldn't just be like, well, it's been six weeks, so you're good. We've got to look at the person. We've got to look at the tissues. We've got to look at their symptoms too. Yeah. And I think that's a great point because I think I had like messaged you that I went in for my six-week appointment. And again, you can correct me on this in terms of like pelvic floor health for C-section mamas. But when I went in for my appointment, he checked my scar. He like mushed my belly for diastasis and was like, okay, um, you, you're good. You can return to everything that you were doing pre-pregnancy. And I was like, okay, but can I go see a pelvic floor therapist? Because that's kind of important just to make sure, you know, like I just need somebody else to make sure that I'm good because I don't know if I'm good, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, And he was like, well, you had a C-section, so the baby didn't come out of there. And I, you know, mentally, I knew these things. I was like, but I also carried a baby for like 10 plus months. Exactly. exactly. So regardless of delivery, I think you touched on it earlier. Everyone postpartum should see a pelvic floor therapist because even if it's just for a screening process in the midst of your healing journey, that is so necessary. I had to beg for my referral. (sighs) That breaks my heart. Yeah. Like at my six week appointment. That breaks my heart. And I, like I said, I think that we're shifting. I really do. And um, we've even gotten referrals just for C-section scar pain. It, like we've, we've gotten referrals just for that. And, um, and it, it really does help because with a C-section, there is like there are so many layers that they got to cut through yes. to get to that baby so many layers and so much 
healing and scar tissue that builds up in that process. And the way that I kind of think of the abdomen, including the pelvic floor, is it's kind of like an unpopped soda can, right? So you got the pelvic floor at the bottom, the core muscles and the back muscles, the postural muscles, that's the sides of our soda can. And then the diaphragm is the top. And so when everything is working okay. together perfectly in this perfect little system, it's like an unpopped soda can, right? We squeeze it, nothing happens. It goes back to normal. It does not affect the system at all. Well, when we have damage or dysfunction or a weakness or incoordination in any one of those, whether we're not breathing correctly, whether we have scar tissue damage in our core muscles, or if we have a pelvic floor dysfunction, well, that's like you pop the top, stab the side, scrunch up the bottom. Now, all of a sudden, you squeeze it. The entire system is affected. Everything up and down is affected by that. And so, especially with C-sections, just because of how much scar tissue that they tend to create, mm. it's almost like we've kind of just lifted the pelvic floor almost, if you can imagine. Imagine like if you stomped on a on a on a soda can, right? And it kind of scrunch, scrunched a little bit. Well, like yes, the the diaphragm, the top is still intact, the bottom is still intact, but we have a much shorter can now. Mm-hmm. We, we we we're losing a lot of that functional range of motion due to the restrictions of the scar tissue. And so not only are the core muscles affected, but absolutely the pelvic floor is affected. I've seen pelvic floor being affected from gallbladder removal, an appendix wow. removal. Yeah, just just because of that that scar tissue and the adhesions that build up in the belly again that's going to start to pull up on those pelvic floor muscles that sit at the base and so and like you said you know you that baby still sat on those muscles for 10 months like it's not like he was right. just floating <laughs> up all you know all happy in, in your lungs like there, no like there was still that pressure and we still see some hormone changes postpartum as well and so one of those big ones is progesterone and progesterone works to basically it kind of inhibits um, the cycle from continuing um, during pregnancy, but it also acts as a muscle relaxer, mm-hmm. and which I think is just the coolest thing ever. It is such a cool hormone to me. It acts as a muscle relaxer. And so literally as soon as that baby is out, out of the body, out of the birth canal, no longer inside, those progesterone levels drop immediately, like tank immediately and so sometimes what we see is that with that quick withdrawal of progesterone we see those muscles especially in the pelvic floor because they are so so sensitive to the female hormones mm-hmm. they just immediately tighten up they're like it's that immediate withdrawal of a muscle relaxer and they're like what why did you take away my muscle relaxer what happened and so then we get that kind of almost knee-jerk reaction to those muscles tightening up mm-hmm. and so not only do you have that you have the fact that that baby just sat on those muscles for 10 months now you have a scar and healing to happen you're probably in pain right right and it creates just like this perfect storm this perfect kind of combination for pelvic floor muscle dysfunction and like you said it's it's unfortunate that not more mothers are being referred to pelvic floor pt just because of like oh well you had a c-section so it doesn't matter it's like are you kidding me it absolutely does it absolutely does yeah just because the baby didn't come out the birth canal didn't go through those muscles for Mm -hmm. an hour like it doesn't it doesn't change anything that one hour in the span of 10 months like yeah that, that that's not going to make that much of a difference they're, they're absolutely still involved yeah and there's still trauma done to those muscles regardless of your birth story regardless yeah absolutely that was that's one thing that i've i've talked to the the midwife here in town about and um kind of one thing that we just like really almost like finished each other's sentences on was just like it doesn't matter if you were in labor for five minutes you sneezed and that baby popped out like that is still a trauma that is still a a significant amount of change to those pelvic floor muscles and to those tissues that happened even in that sneeze even in even in that two minutes um is is definitely still something something worth looking at something worth getting checked out yeah and i think it's important to note the fact that or rather let's go back and talk about are there any other symptoms or um, things to take into consideration in terms of, I would say, not your typical pelvic floor symptoms. So like back pain, for example, I didn't realize that my scar tissue from my C-section, you know, because all like you talked about, like all those muscles work in tandem could cause back pain. 
or my core or diastasis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so we we do see that kind of referral pattern. And so even if it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, I feel it in my back or I feel it in my hip, I feel it over here. Like, what do you mean it could be coming from my pelvic floor? And so just because of where these muscles sit, again, just right at the base of the pelvis, right at just kind of the center of our body. And they work really, really closely. Like I said, not only with our core muscles, Muscles, but with our hip muscles as well, with the hip rotators, we have a, a rotator cuff of the hip, the same way we have a rotator cuff of the shoulder. Mm. We have a lot of those really, really small muscles that attach just kind of right in, right in through the glute area, right in through the butt cheek area. We got a lot of teeny tiny muscles in there, and they are neighbors with the pelvic floor, neighbors with the pelvic floor. And so, a lot of times, we, if it's more of a pelvic floor involvement, we do see that referral pattern into the hip or into the low back and into the abdomen and I mean I've seen it all the way down to the knees before sometimes just because of that that muscle tension in those, those oh, connections wow. we also have a crazy network of nerves that are involved in the pelvic floor this is a very sensitive area right like we need a lot of sensation down there and so there are it's just this vast vast network yeah of nerves down in the pelvic floor and because of that neural network and those connections those are some long nerves and they innervate a lot of other things along the way too so if that nerve is involved in any way it can kind of send that referral pattern to some of the other areas that it that it innervates some of the other areas that it talks to and so we can see that kind of referral pattern and i've done internal release on some patients before and they're just like okay yep that feels like my hip pain or yep that feels like i feel that in my back i feel that like i even just kind of palpating along those muscles they're like yeah i feel that in like 12 different places so i'd say it's to be it's kind of one of those things where it's like okay you know if you hear hoofbeats in new york city think horses not zebras that kind of thing right and so if your back hurts there's a really good chance that it's just your back that's involved but on the other hand if that isn't responding to our like quote-unquote normal physical therapy or normal interventions and you know maybe you do have some of those other associated symptoms like stress incontinence constipation pain with sex um Mm -hmm. any sort of those other dysfunctions there's a good chance that the pelvic floor is playing a really big role in that and so a lot of our physical therapists, a lot of our other ortho physical therapists are really, really good at kind of recognizing that. And they'll, and they'll kick them over to us, to, to the public PTs. They'll be like, hey, been treating this person for like four or six weeks. Um, mm-hmm. Back pain, hip pain, just not responding like I want it to, not responding like it normally would. Uh, will you t- will you take a look? Will, will you see if there's anything else going on? And so we'll kind of start asking those asking those questions and having that conversation and saying, okay, you know what? You know we've tried like the typical we've tried the the you know quote unquote normal physical therapy. Um, let's see if there's anything else kind of going on through there. So right, it's it's really kind of crazy just just the the network that's involved, the referral patterns that we see. So um, yeah, like I said, if you do have you know any sort of like back pain, abdominal pain anything like that as well as some of those other symptoms and that those those other um kind of pelvic floor signs there's a really good chance of pelvic floor is at play that's super interesting just in general and it's you know just a really cool wink at how the body is just so fascinating and so complex oh my goodness yes so connected and I remember that was really one of the things that they harped on in in PT school too was just like okay if a patient comes in and they have shoulder pain if you're not looking at their neck and if you're not looking at their elbow if you're not looking at even the thoracic spine and their ribs you're doing them a big disservice because because of how connected everything is and especially with the with the legs too just the knee pretty much bends and straightens that's about it and so any other sort of rotation and compensation is going to come from the ankle and from the hip and then we can start seeing that into the low back and into the pelvic floor as well but I mean just looking up and down stream of the actual you know involved area it's like okay well what like what's what's going on somewhere else like could this knee pain actually be coming from you know a tightness in one of the hip rotators that is causing you know the knee to be a little bit weird and the ankle to take a little bit more load in this area um, which is then 
causing that compression in the knee. Like there are so many little, little, little things that, right. that we look at and can, and can really kind of pinpoint, okay, you know, where is this really coming from and what other dysfunctions in the body might be causing that the body's really, really good at compensating. It's really, really good at being lazy too. And so if we can find those compensatory patterns and get the right muscles working at the right time, we can really see a big change. Yeah, I recently went to go see this woman in Dallas. She does a little bit more of a holistic approach to pelvic floor and PT work. And she um, was just like looking at my abdomen and she was like assessing my intestines and like where everything was aligned. And she was like, hey, like, have you ever had any bladder issues? And I was like, no. I mean, I went through 12 weeks of, you know, pelvic floor PT to be cleared for fitness. And I don't really think like I you know, I didn't hit any of those red flags per se, but she was just messing with all along my scar. And she said, well, like you definitely have a bladder prolapse. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh (laughs) yeah. She was like, you may have like super mild symptoms and it never would have caused you any discomfort. But she said, I'm going to release all of this scar tissue or at least work on some of this because your scar isn't moving. And literally, kid you not, after within, you know, hours, like my physical appearance of my belly looked different, but I almost felt like I could breathe, you know, like literally all the way up into my lungs. I felt like I could take a deeper breath because I didn't realize my body had compensated by just the tightness along my scar tissue. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We, we see that a lot, just kind of with that, that pulling and, you know, I've had, had a lot of uh, moms come in and say that, like, I feel like I can't stand up straight. Like, I feel like I can't stand up all the way. And so we work a lot on that, on that scar tissue release and just getting that extension and getting that stretch. And it's one of those things where in, in the hospital setting, a lot of, a lot of patients that had, you know, say they had, you know, a bowel resection for example say they had a bowel resection okay they're getting orders for pt right probably the next day or two while they're still while they're in the hospital recovering they're getting orders for pt so a a physical therapist that's in the hospital is going to come in make sure that they can get up make sure that they can get out of bed make sure that they can walk are we doing that for our c-section moms Mm -mm. no or just postpartum in general which is all or just, or just, yeah just just any mom no no of course not no because it's just like oh well you got it okay bye and it's just it it, it drives us crazy it drives us crazy because it's uh it, it is so needed and for a lot of moms especially post cesarean section they're like okay well you have uh you have a 10 pound lifting restriction like you can't lift more than 10 pounds and for some moms it's like okay my baby weighed nine and a half pounds so that's exactly what happened for us yeah 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 it's just like well you can't live more than 10 pounds and so and is my coworker, her cousin her baby was like 10 and a half 11 pounds like he was a oh, big goodness. baby and so and so like they come in and they're like okay you can't lift more than 10 pounds and she just like looked at them looked at her baby <laughs> she's like so so i can't lift my child my baby right and they were just kind of like oh well like except for that you know and it's just like okay well then what's the point of having the 10 pound lifting restriction or like why is that Mm -hmm. there how am I going to accommodate for that how am I going to say if if that's the restriction if I shouldn't be lifting more than 10 pounds but I still have to lift my child what does that look like how do I know that I'm doing it correctly and so we are starting to see a really big push in the inpatient in the hospital setting for orders for PT postpartum and getting getting these moms up and walking and making sure they know how to brace and you know kind of protect that scar as they move and as they lift and it's just like okay technically your lifting restrictions are this realistically let's go over what that's going to look like for you in the next couple weeks and so i'm really starting to see a really big push just in legislation even um Mm-hmm. And just there have been new laws that have been passed just for public for rehab postpartum. Yeah. Um, but we're really starting to get that push in like day one after baby is here. And so there is there was a really big push for that, especially during the pandemic, because some of these moms were having to be separated from their babies like immediately. Like if the mm-hmm. mom came in and tested positive, they were immediately separated from that baby. And so a lot of PTs were like, like, let us go. We will get these moms up and walking. Not only is that going to help their healing process but like let's walk them down to the nursery so they can at least see their baby see their baby yeah Yeah. like let's get that get that mobility in there for them and then you know 
the emotional side of everything as well. Just being able to actually lay eyes on their baby child that they just gave birth to that they can't even hold. So it's been, it's like I said, we're finally starting to catch up to to the research and to the, to the actual science behind these things in, in our legislation and in our, in our medical practice. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's just so needed because I remember, like, I would say that I had really prepared myself, like my husband, and I had made it a priority to invest in our pregnancy, you know, like, our biggest thing was the baby will get taken care of, like our friends and family will support him and he'll be fine. But we have to prioritize myself being healthy through pregnancy and especially postpartum. And I don't think I was ready for, I think the recovery process of a C-section because I couldn't get out of the car, much less like my husband had to wash my hair because I couldn't, you know, my whole trunk was, you know, traumatized. and I couldn't even brush my hair, much less do anything else or brush my teeth. So I think that's just like a really wise point of, and just kind of exciting to think that like, good hospitals are moving in the direction at least towards supporting moms, regardless of whether this is their fifth, fifth baby or first baby but pelvic floor therapy should definitely be a first step in screening process. Yeah. So we're definitely, we're getting there. We're getting there. So would you have any wisdom or I guess encouragement to share for fitness during pregnancy or postpartum? Yes, absolutely. And it is, um, you know, way, way, way back in the day, um, it used to be considered, you know, is that dangerous for the baby or, you know, you know, pregnant women shouldn't work out. And it's really research has shown the exact opposite. Like pregnant women need to be working out. They need to be lifting. They need to be exercising. Um, typically, we don't recommend that you start a new form of exercise during pregnancy right like don't start crossfit if you've never crossfit before (laughs) yeah yeah if you've never done crossfit before maybe during pregnancy isn't the time for you now that being said if that is what your heart is absolutely set on and there is no swaying you just make sure you're doing it right just listen to your body listen to your coaches the trainers all of those things that are um kind of going to be be there with you during that process but um research has really really shown the importance of of exercise during during pregnancy it's huge it's absolutely huge and uh, definitely something that we want to encourage in in our pregnant women so not only does it help with blood flow and circulation it's actually really really good for the baby too it helps with a lot of that fetal circulation um, it helps to keep mom at a healthy weight uh, there's a, a normal healthy weight gain um, usually in the 20 to 30 pound range now I've known moms that have gained 60 pounds mm-hmm. during pregnancy so there's it's right it's yeah it's it's a really really big range and 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 everybody is so so different too everybody is so different so um and you know depending on the size of the baby and the size of the placenta and how much blood flow and how much like so many different factors go into that but um just kind of maintaining that healthy healthy weight during pregnancy um can be really really huge and it's like i said it's it's one thing that i'm really glad that has shifted and and just kind of the medical research is you know our pregnant moms definitely need to be exercising so um usually about 20 to 30 minutes of aerobic exercise five times a week somewhere in there is usually kind of that that recommendation so go for a walk you know go for a walk with the family walk the dogs mm-hmm. if you're a runner you are 100 safe to continue running throughout the pregnancy like i've known moms that have like ran 10 miles and then delivered the next day like it's it really is it is safe it is healthy um now if there are any other sort of complications going on like maybe preeclampsia or um, if you're having a lot of pain or discomfort during that exercise, then, okay, yes, maybe we want to scale back a little bit, keep you safe, right? Keep mom safe. Um, And if there are any certain, you know, medical considerations or complications that might be foreseen during that pregnancy or during the delivery process, your OBGYN, your midwife might recommend like, all right, cool it. (laughs) No more 10 mile runs for you until this baby gets here. Like let's, let's scale it back a little bit, Mm -hmm. especially if there are concerns of preeclampsia or bleeding or anything like that that can be a concern but for the most part really truly it is so so healthy for Mm -hmm. these women to continue to work out throughout pregnancy and then moving into postpartum my biggest thing is just listen to your body just listen to your body take it at your own pace take it at what you feel comfortable with Um, because there are especially our running populations I've been about runners they are just so like nitty-gritty like let me get back into it let me do this right now Um, they want to start 
tired very very quickly and you with running it's usually kind of more so in the 10 to 12 week range that we really start to see that the, the more safety to return to running um, we definitely want to wait until all bleeding has stopped postpartum before you start any sort of running and exercise process just to make sure that everything is healing well down there and that's regardless of c-section or vaginal delivery amount of tearing anything like that we just want to make sure that that bleeding has stopped and so and that's and that's where your pelvic floor pt comes in as well like um you know making sure that you're engaging the core properly and using the pelvic floor muscles properly to give you that support give your pelvic girdle and your abdomen that support that it needs as you start exercising again so that's probably one of my favorite things to treat is postpartum like return to exercise because these moms are just so ready they're like when can i work out again when can i work out again i'm like girl let's do it like let's let's get going let's let's figure it out and so it might seem like we're starting with really just almost like rudimentary and kind of sometimes i feel bad i'm like i know this is going to seem really boring like compared to what you've done before this is going to feel really boring but we've got to establish the basis first before we start building into everything else so again making sure you know that's why you're that's why you got a pelvic pt make sure you're breathing properly pelvic floor is engaged core is engaged mm-hmm. and doing those functional activities that are that, that are meaningful to to the mom too so um, i have some patients that are um, you know for my runners i'm not going to make them do like the weight training that my weightlifters want to do and vice versa and so like making sure that it's you know appropriate and functional and meaningful to each individual person yeah and what specifically they're trying to get back to is like my favorite thing to kind of troubleshoot and like it's like a little puzzle like solving everything and like putting everything together for them so it's awesome it's awesome Yes, I can definitely empathize with that and geek out over that because like I got pre and postnatal certified after the baby just because I was like, no, nice. other women need this and I needed this and I didn't have anybody else to walk alongside me in that. So I definitely um, feel your passion in that. It's so fun. So circling back to core, because I think this is just a juicy topic for a lot of moms as they process pregnancy and postpartum um, is diastasis recti the separation of your core I like it's so sad because sometimes you know I see on Pinterest or Instagram and it's like how to keep your core from separating these are all the five exercises you need to do if it's going to separate, it's going to separate. There are, yeah, it's going to happen. And, and it, it almost needs to as well. So the rect, so yeah, and it's, it's the, the rectus abdominis is, is that layer that, that separates. So we have the rectus abdominis, that's that six pack muscle that we see. And underneath that, we have a layer of external obliques. Underneath that, we have a layer of internal obliques. And then underneath all of that, we have a layer called the transverse abdominis. And so all four of those muscles together kind of combine and really kind of make up what we call the core and so the rectus abdominis is the muscle that separates and so as that baby grows well that layer is that first layer is kind of held together by a layer of tissue called the linea alba and it's just a piece of connective tissue almost it's pretty fibrous it's pretty thick Uh, but as that baby grows and the belly expands and it it happens pretty quick too like this Mm -hmm. it's not like it just happens you know over a couple years no that baby's growing and so um with that separation with that growth we see those two sides of that rectus abdominis kind of start to separate a little bit and so with that separation we can see that's that's what the diastasis recti is is that separation of that rectus abdominis and so we measure it in finger breadths and finger widths and so i've seen anywhere from like half a finger postpartum all the way up to four fingers and it yeah yeah that's that's probably the most significant one that i've seen um clinically but i do know some of my other co-workers have seen like five six seven seven plus um mm-hmm. just and and that can change too depending on um how many babies they've had and what their exercise looked like postpartum um but for the most part we really see these start to heal on their own which is great which is fantastic um especially if it's more on the smaller side like a one finger half a finger those really do tend to just heal pretty well on their own and just some behavioral modifications as well so we always want to avoid um we want to avoid kind of big twisting movements so i tell my patients i'm like okay 
okay if you're backing up out of the driveway use your mirrors use your camera don't you know don't twist all the way around if the kids are acting up in the back seat just like throw things at them from behind your shoulder throw some snacks than yeah. to twist. exactly exactly rather than trying to twist and get get to them and then you know with exercise you know staying away from some of those rotational exercises like Russian twists or bicycles things like that mm-hmm. um, and then kind of just being mindful of any sort of shearing forces through the through that through that muscle so if you're doing leg lifts keeping both legs together rather than doing like one at a time um, and 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 I mean little things like that but um, and we've really started to see um, it's called um, abdominal gymnastics I think is what it's called which is really really cool but it's basically using um, that transverse abdominus as kind of our um, kind of that that pulling factor so with the transverse abdominus it acts as the body's natural corset and the body's natural back brace and so if you if you look up like abdominal vacuums you'll see some really weird looking pictures of people that look like they're sucking in as much as they possibly can it's like all you see his ribs and then like their yeah. belly like a foot backwards yeah. from it and so so that is basically with that abdominal vacuum is basically a maximum contraction of the transverse abdominus and what that does is it actually helps to approximate those two sides of the rectus abdominus right because we're getting that pulling and kind of that approximation when we contract that deep deep core muscle it brings those two sides of the rectus abdominus together and it can allow them to heal a little bit more um, a little bit more quickly and so we've seen some really good research coming out of utilizing that vacuum in our postpartum population to help assist with that closure and so like I said I mean if it's going to happen if you're if those muscles are likely going to separate um, it is I even with the four finger diastasis that I've seen I've seen I that went down to half a finger in the span of a couple weeks and she had 11 kids so it was (laughs) yeah it was it was an easy process for her like I said just those behavioral modifications adding in some proper core contraction and some approximation and she was good to go yeah and it's not something to fear it's not something to avoid like your body like our bodies were made to do it and so it's not something to I think actively prevent because your body's going to compensate anyways it's exactly exactly if it's going to happen it's going to happen I mean I've even seen it in men before too that you know got a little bit too carried away with the beer over you know the NFL football season and you know just because that that it's the same thing that quick expansion of the belly they get that separation and so yeah it, it can happen to men but yes it's very likely to happen in women but absolutely nothing to nothing to be too concerned of there are certain surgeries it's basically a hernia is kind of what it comes down to it's basically a hernia and so um a, a lot of women will notice like well when I crunch forward I see like this this bulge like this a dome bulge yes. kind of the doming yeah and so that is kind of where we see um it's, it's essentially kind of some of the intestines that are just kind of bulging and pushing into that separation um and so if we can you know approximate those two sides they were good to go absolutely And we might have talked about this a little bit, but as we um, move towards wrapping up, what encouragement would you give to women about seeking professional treatment? Don't give up don't give up and be an advocate for yourself. Um, unfortunately, like I said, we are seeing a great push for postpartum and pregnancy care and even just care for women throughout the lifespan that has really changed. I mean, even over the last 50 years that has changed significantly, but we've still got a long way to go. We've still got a long way to go. And so don't be afraid to push. Don't be afraid to ask and be an advocate for yourself to seek, to, to, to get the care that you want and the care that you feel that you deserve and so you know whether that means you know like unfortunately like you had to do just pushing for that public floor referral like even if you have to ask and ask and ask and ask and ask keep asking keep pushing and if you're it's it's absolutely worth it and um with kind of how physical therapy practice works in the state of texas we do need a physician referral in order to see a patient kind of long term so we can see direct access meaning like you call the clinic and be like hey i want to get in to see so-and-so like I you know want physical therapy and this goes for any type of PT and so they can get in and schedule but within 10 days we do need a referral we do need a script from any some sort of physician yeah this can come from any physician this can come from a primary care doctor a gynecologist your OBGYN this can come from a chiropractor we this can come from a dentist like this can really go uh, there are a lot of different avenues so you know if your gynecologist or your OB 
isn't, you know, super stoked about sending you to primary care or sending, sorry, sending you to public okay. or PT, call your primary care doctor, see what, see if they will. Um, there, there are other options. And, um, and even if within that 10 days, if you are not able to get a physician to sign off on okay. anything, yeah. um, right. we can at least treat during those 10 days. We can at least start. Um, and, you know, even if we're not able to get some of that long-term care, we can at least kind of cover the basics and just kind of, you know, get, get you comfortable to where you at least start and at least start. So yeah, that's my biggest piece of advice is to just don't be afraid to fight. Don't be afraid to don't be afraid to argue. Don't be afraid to, you know, say, no, this is what I want. And I'm not leaving your office until you send me a referral. Like, don't be afraid to do that. Cause they'll do it. They'll be like, all right, go, just go. And then, and then if you come back and you're like, it changed my life. This was the easiest postpartum recovery I ever had. This was amazing. Send more people. Absolutely. Then the next mom is going to be more likely to get that referral a lot easier. And the next one, the next one, the next one. So even if you've got to pave the way in that doctor's office, don't be afraid to do it. For sure. That's my biggest encouragement to friends that are pregnant and postpartum is like, go see a pelvic floor therapist, like we've talked about, even just as a checkpoint, you know, definitely can be beneficial throughout your pregnancy, even if you aren't experiencing any symptoms, but just can give you I think it can just give moms some tangible confidence as they approach birth, which can be super like mentally daunting. And then postpartum, it gives you the tools to say, okay, I may not be able to return to fitness in the next, you know, six to eight weeks, but at least I know I can get out of bed in a safe way that's not going to cause more discomfort. And that sometimes is like the biggest one of the day is being able to go about your, you know, new baby and like your new body in a way that's a little bit more confident, you know? Yeah. And, and pain-free and functional. And, you know, it's not only are you recovering from a trauma, that actual delivery process, not only does your body have to heal, but now you have to care for yes. a whole another <laughs> human being that is completely dependent on you. And so there's so many things that go into that. So yes, absolutely. Pelvic health can just help to really start to start to make our, our moms post pre pre post and everywhere in between just feel more comfortable with themselves, with their body, with their functioning. Absolutely. So I have one more question for you, and it may be the same or different as we close, but um, it's just a closing question that we have for all of our guests, just because this is a podcast where we want to speak truth over our current selves and past selves and just be a resource for our community. So if you could provide any wisdom to your younger self or community that is listening, what would you share? Don't be afraid to be you and get the help that you need. And, you know, just seeing the shift in, in the medical community and everything, just being an advocate for yourself and being an advocate for your body and what you need is going to help pave the way for, for the patient after you. That's so wise. Wow, Rachel, it's been such a pleasure just to catch up. It's been so much fun. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much. So, so much for, for having me. It's been awesome. Of course. Um, so where can our community connect with you? Do you have like, you know, we're obviously not in your area, but we may have listeners that are. So services, products, how can they connect with you? Absolutely. So I practice at Optimal Physical Therapy Solutions in Amarillo, Texas. Um, so if you are in Amarillo Canyon area and uh, want to get in to see me, you can call our office there at Optimal Physical Therapy Solutions. Um, and then my coworker and I, we also have a podcast that is called Pelvic Service Announcement. And you can find us on Instagram and we talk all things pelvic floor. We release episodes on, on Tuesdays. We have so much fun, probably a little bit too much fun with it sometimes but um so yeah we're, we're on instagram we are also on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts we are we are on those platforms um and then my personal instagram is just rachel k fritz you can find me there shoot me shoot me a dm or anything like that if you have any questions and go from there sweet and i'll link all those below but guys their podcast is so fun i think your names are so clever i was even sharing with a friend yesterday and I was like, yeah, it's pelvic service now. And she was like, that's so funny. 
Well, so I was, we were trying to think of names for it. And uh, I was just kind of looking to see if there were any other public floor podcasts out there. And there were a few. And one of them was at your cervix. And I was like, that's hilarious. Like, that is so punny. And I was like, we, we need something like that that's like really catchy. And so my mom bless her heart for whatever reason she always calls it the public floor mm. <laughs> i don't know why just that's just i think it was there was a class that i took where we had to do internal exams like every five minutes it was like we were switching partners so like nobody had pants on nobody was doing anything and and she was just like that's so public like your public floor kind of thing and i was like kind of thinking about it and i was like public floor public service pelvic service announcement so just kind of came up so i credit i credit my mom and and helping us come up with that name so yeah that's such a fun story how sweet but as we close i did say i wanted to circle back to bodybuilding so what what is next for you kind of what's your plan moving forward yeah so i've competed for three years now i've done five shows and the most this season was definitely my most successful season so Mm -hmm. i won first place in both of the shows that i did that's awesome and in uh well first place in my height class and then um i in one of the shows i won uh the overall um so between all the height classes i won the whole thing and i it was a goal that i had set for myself for for a really long time was was to win the overall so that was just so so special um but moving forward definitely looking at maybe a chance to go for my pro card next year and so just kind of right now spending the off season just really focusing on putting on some solid muscle tissue some solid muscle mass and uh just kind of just i'm so i'm so stoked like i'm so ready for next year so it's so much fun and and i i think that it's given me a good uh good practice as a physical therapist too because I'm just like okay how can I preach to my patients to live a healthy lifestyle if I'm not doing the same if if I you know if, if I'm not being a good patient myself so um it's definitely definitely helped in that aspect too so um it's just it's so much fun it is such a fun hobby such a fun pastime and I love it so so much yeah you look great thank you it's just so fun to watch you from afar um but this has been such a pleasure to have this conversation with you we may definitely have to circle back for a second part because this is just such a fun conversation. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll catch you guys soon on the next episode. This episode of If Only Our Wiser has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more episodes so you don't miss any encouragement. And don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to build our community and share more about topics that will be healing and helpful for you. See you in the next episode.